Pop Sugar's Love Rants is brought to you by Yuli, an innovative online healthcare platform exclusively for women that says buck that to the traditional healthcare system. Get online and get faster access to women's health and medicine by visiting yuli.com.au. Hello and welcome to Pop Sugar's Love Rants. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which we're recording and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. I'm Melissa Mason, a journalist, podcaster and the host of Love Rants. We're here to have conversations that get to the heart of various topics that fall under the broad umbrella of love, sex and relationships. Throughout this series, I'll sit down with someone different as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment, and preciousness of love and self-love. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Love Rants, the podcast. It is me, your host, Melissa Mason, back for another week, except this week I have with me Nicole Colantoni. She is a dating and relationship coach, but you also may have read her words on Pop Sugar Australia because she is their resident dating columnist. Nicole, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this topic today. Oh my gosh, me too. It is like one of my favorite topics. We are obviously talk, well, not obviously, but we are talking about attachment styles. So you've probably heard this term floating around the internet. I've seen it a lot on Instagram. You get a lot of those sort of like, what are attachment styles and figuring out your attachment style quizzes popping up. But look, I wanted to ask you as an actual sort of expert on the topic, what are we talking about when we say attachment style? Yeah, well, I think We want to start with the basics, right? So what is attachment? And when you think of attachment, you want to think of that deep emotional bond that we form with others, specifically our primary caregivers, right? So starting Mm -hmm. from when we're babies, that then becomes a a blueprint for how we relate to others in our adult relationships. So for example, imagine a baby who cries their parent comes over, picks them up and makes them feel safe and loved. That right there is attachment in action, right? Right, So I think it's, yeah. And I think it's important to know that this bond isn't just about love. It's about survival. It's how we get our needs met. And then these early experiences of how we get our needs met profoundly influences not only our social and emotional development, but also then shapes how we connect with and basically relate to others for the rest of our lives. So for example, if our parents were consistently there for us, we learned that we can count on people. And this generally leads to healthy, fulfilling relationships in adulthood. But if they weren't always available or were unpredictable, we might grow up feeling uncertain in our relationships, which can lead to difficulties in forming stable and satisfying relationships later in life. Right. So it sort of begins when you're a kid and then you take that into your adult life and it it sort of plays out in all your relationships, not just your romantic ones. It's specific to your romantic relationships. Okay. It can show up in other areas of your life, but generally speaking, it's it mostly shows up in your romantic relationships. And how many of these attachment styles are there? Like what are the what are the top core ones, I suppose? Yeah. So there's typically 
four main styles that pop up Mm -hmm. in research. First up, there's secure attachment. So if you're securely attached, you probably had consistent and loving caregivers. Uh, You're comfortable getting close with others and grow grow up to be quite confident, uh, trusting and balanced in your adult relationships. Uh, But then we've got anxious attachment, which is also known as uh, preoccupied attachment in some literature. Uh, And so if you're anxiously attached, you might have had unreliable attention by your caregivers growing up. So because of this, you might find yourself overly preoccupied with your relationships, craving Mm. intimacy, but also fearing that your partner might leave you. And so in your relationships, you can appear quite needy or clingy or insecure and in need of constant approval and validation. And then there's avoidant attachment, which is also known as dismissive avoidant attachment. So if you're avoidant, you typically equate intimacy with a loss of independence and constantly try to minimize closeness. And this might be a response to growing up with caregivers who were emotionally unavailable or let you down from a young age. So because of this, you learn to be hyper independent and you might seem really emotionally unavailable or distant or absent because you've learned from a young age to protect yourself from closeness, basically. And then finally, there's the, yeah, the disorganized attachment, which is also known as fearful avoidant. And this one's tricky because people with this style had caregivers who were often unpredictable and erratic, meaning they were sometimes a source of both comfort and pain. So you might crave closeness in a relationship, but also fear it, leading to this push-pull dynamic. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now that whenever <laughs> I have done my um, quizzes, I come up as um, fearful avoidant. And <laughs> it's funny though, because I wouldn't necessarily say that I had an upbringing where I had that experience, but it's obviously come from somewhere. But I definitely have seen in my past relationships, particularly um, this you know, go away, come back, go away, come back kind of energy where I would miss somebody. But then when they were around, I'd be like feeling trapped. And that it's so interesting when you talked about the independence, like that need for independence being tied into it, because I definitely can see that with myself. Yeah, I think what you're saying is so important. Firstly, I also identify with fearful avoidant, or at least I used (laughs) to. (laughs) Uh, But what you were saying was so important because Listen, I always say your attachment styles, are it's what's happened to you. It's not who you are, right? And Mm. yes, it typically takes place uh, in those formative years, but it can also uh, be a product of something that happens to you later in life, right? right? But they're also not fixed. Like we can swing between different attachment styles. You can be anxious, but then you can also be avoidant or you can also be fearful avoidant. It just depends on the situation or the relationship that you're in, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Because I think if I look back at past relationships, so I'm now with also have done the quiz on this. I'm now with <laughs> an, a, a securely attached man and it has been like, it's not easy, right? But I think that it makes it significantly less um, difficult to 
get past some of my, you know, avoidant tendencies because I'm with someone who is much more of a calm C and not also contributing a bunch of his own stuff to the <laughs> to the situation. But in the past, I have ended up attracted to avoidance usually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny because I feel like in those relationships, I became the anxious person. Like I was the one that was like drawing in all the time and like almost – like obsessively so. What is that about? Yeah, I think it's a really important point. Uh, First of all, opposites attract, right? It's the polarity that we are attracted to. So anxious people are usually really attracted to avoidant people because they seem so cool and uh, elusive, right? Uh, Yes. And and then avoidant people are typically very attracted to uh, – anxious people because they seek out connection. So they're so, they appear so warm and so loving and and so um, available, emotionally available, right? But then what Mm. happens is we end up triggering each other (laughs) and activating these underlying tendencies that we have and aren't always apparent until we enter those romantic relationships, right? So, you know, you can feel completely secure as a single person, then end up in a relationship with somebody who has those avoidant tendencies. And then all of a sudden you're acting really clingy or needy or seeking out that reassurance and you don't know why. Right. And all that is, is your body sending you a message. Hey, something needs to be addressed here. Right. But like Mm. you said, in the right relationship with clear open uh, communication and a safe environment, you can work through those challenges. You can work through those tendencies and grow to be secure together. Yes. Cause this is what I was going to ask was like, what do you do? Cause I, I actually feel like most people struggle when they're with the avoidant type, right? Like that's kind mm. of almost what I think I personally feel like we label emotionally unavailable potentially is just an, has an avoidant um, attachment style, right? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And so I suppose, what can you do if you're finding yourself in a relationship with someone who is an avoidant? Because I think that can obviously be quite difficult, right? And quite hurtful if, if you're not aware of how to I guess, deal with it all? Yeah, such a good question. Firstly, don't take it personally. It's not about you, it's about Mm. them. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Secondly, communicate, you know, in a way that doesn't sound like a criticism. Let them in on how you're feeling, how their behavior or the distance is making you feel in the relationship. And if they're the right partner, if it's a healthy relationship, they'll be receptive towards what you're saying, right? And and they'll try Mm. to work through it with you. But also understanding that you might have a different attachment style. Therefore, you might have a different approach to relationships. And so it's about identifying what the common ground is, right? Not pushing them away by, you know, projecting your expectations onto them, right? Pacing Mm. yourself in a way that makes them feel comfortable and like they can open up to you and turn towards the relationship. Because oftentimes what we do is, you know, uh, it's those protesting behaviors, right? Where we become highly emotional or or highly needy, you know, and then in a sense, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because we push them away and end up achieving the very outcome that we're 
hoping to avoid, right, which is them leaving us or them, you know, ending the relationship. Yes, and I feel like I was so guilty of this in the past. And I was going to ask you this as sort of a next question, but I'll tell this long, long-winded story first. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was in this relationship with a guy who was textbook avoidant to like a, a pretty problematic point, I would say, for himself and also for our relationship. And I remember like I was such a baby in relationships at the time that I – would push in when he would pull away. And in hindsight, I think if I had given some space and just gone, okay, he needs a bit more alone time or he's like, you know, just needs to like not be in touch for a couple of days or whatever and I'm just going to let him come to me, I actually think it probably would have been a lot healthier as a relationship. But the result of me leaning in quite anxiously kind of grasping for him, I guess, when he would pull away with like more texting or like, you know, being like, why are you pulling away? What's going on? Constant questions pushed him away. Um, In hindsight, yeah, like I said, I don't think that we suited each other because I became such an anxiously attached person at that time. He was such an avoidant. Do you think some people just fundamentally cannot be together because of their attachment styles? Yeah, I think that that is a really good question. I always say to my clients, how does your partner make you feel? Who do you become Mm -hmm. in their presence, right? Like we were discussing, opposites attract, right? It is not impossible for an anxious person and an avoidant person to make the relationship work, but there has to be a willingness on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're right. In that past relationship, perhaps if you trusted the relationship a bit more, you would have been a little bit more patient, right? And perhaps the outcome would have been different. But at the same time, you also, we all need reassurance from our partners. So then the question becomes, was he giving you that reassurance? Did he make you feel safe and secure in the relationship, right? And if you need that reassurance, I always say, book in a time to have that conversation, right? If you're dealing with an, with an avoidant, the last thing you want to do when they come home from a long day at work is just come at them <laughs> with all of your insecurities, right? That's going to push them away. Yeah. That's going to cause them to retreat. That's going to make them freak out, right? So I always say you want the daily check-in, how are you? And then the weekly check-in, how are we? But if they're not open to that weekly check-in, that's going to activate your anxious tendencies, right? And that's going to become mm. a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And then I always just think this, and I, and I say this as someone who is a bit of an avoidant, right? But I'm like, where's the line, I guess, where you go, um, you know, I'm, I'm bending over backwards for this person and like, you know, walking on eggshells around them. But I suppose that's kind of what you're saying about like, are they also coming to the table? Are they also like giving you something in return, you know, and trying to, to meet you in your attachment style? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you find yourself walking on eggshells, right, uh, as if you're, you know, dealing with a ticking time bomb, right, Mm -hmm. well, that's probably uh, indicative of the fact that you don't feel safe or secure in your relationship or that there is, you know, a lack of willingness, uh, at least on one side of the partnership to make this relationship work, right? You should feel completely able to be yourself in the relationship, right? Uh, But that's not to say that you still don't have to work at figuring out how to make the relationship work for both of you, right? In a way that gets both of your needs met based on your different attachment styles. And that really comes down to that willingness that we were talking about before. 
Now, we just want to take a moment to share about our sponsor, Yuli. Yuli is saying buck that to the traditional healthcare system by offering a hassle-free online service that empowers women with a modern approach to discreet, convenient healthcare and medicine. Get faster access to medical certificates, treatments and prescriptions like the contraceptive pill, emergency contraception such as the morning after pill, acne treatments, weight management, sexual health, even assistance to help you quit vaping. And it's all delivered to your door or inbox thanks to their innovative online health service. So say buck that and get on Line by visiting Yuli at yuli.com.au to get your health sorted. You know, when you see things on TikTok and social media and it almost becomes like, oh, well, I'm an avoidant attachment person. That's why I'm like this. It's almost used like an excuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and that frustrates me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think like you know, we all walk around with these invisible name tags. You're like, I'm the funny one or I'm the responsible one, right? And and we create these yeah. definitions of ourselves, you know, sometimes without even realizing it. And it can end up feeling like we're stuck in a box. And attachment styles can be like that too, right? They're meant to be used as tools to help us understand ourselves better, not to restrict or define us, right? Mm. They're just useful for understanding our patterns and behaviors in relationships, but they're not meant to be labels that limit us or define who we are. So, you know, when we start feeling anxious, you know, or avoidant in a relationship, it's not a fault. It's a message, right? And these messages are just pointing towards areas we need to work on right? Like learning how to communicate our needs more clearly or developing better self-soothing strategies, right? But what happens is people identify with those labels uh, or those attachment styles, and then they use them as excuses for not growing or evolving or working on themselves. And that's where we start to get into dangerous territory, Yes. Yeah. Like that's exactly how I feel about it is like, it shouldn't be something that defines you. Right. But like, so say you're an avoidant, Mm -hmm. what are some things that you can do to, I suppose, like move away from those, um, tendencies that can damage the relationship, like pulling away or like feeling trapped and, and all of that. Like what, what can somebody do to pull themselves back, I guess, a bit closer to more of a secure attachment? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Our attachment styles are not fixed. They are not set in stone. If you want to work on yourself and you do the work, you can change these ingrained patterns. But firstly, I guess the question becomes, what is the root cause behind these patterns of behavior, right? Where do they originate from? So identify the root cause and then identify how they are causing these patterns of behavior in your romantic relationships. And then if you are in a relationship, communicate that to your partner, right? Like, okay, Mm. I, I feel like I struggle to be in a relationship because of what I witnessed as a child, right? Or because of how my upbringing, my parents' divorce affected me, right? And then communicate to your partner what you need from them in order to feel safe or or happy in the relationship. It all really comes down to communication, right? Your partner is not a mind reader. They are not going to be able to connect the dots 
particularly if you yourself haven't connected the dots yet, right? So mm. identify the root cause, communicate it, and then create a, a an agreement about how the relationship is going to work in a way that gets your needs met moving forward. I feel like that is such a key understanding between somebody who has avoidant tendencies in a relationship versus somebody who is emotionally unavailable, right? Because I always come back to this because I feel like the number one most talked about dating topic is uh, being in a situation ship, like someone's situation shipping you, which is, of course, when you're not in a defined relationship and you're not happy about it usually. Um, and they're, they're not giving you any, like, real commitment and they're sort of being a bit vague. And, and now that you're saying all of this, to me the complete difference is – if that person is self-aware and is like, hey, when you do X or when when I'm in X situation, I feel like this, like I feel trapped or I pull away and I'm trying not to be that way, but this is how you could help me as well, you know. And if you think about any relationship you've been in where the person could probably be classified as an avoidant, but it's also really hurting you is probably because they're not doing any of that and they're just exhibiting those behaviours without actually caring about how that affects you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It all comes down to willingness, right? Like do you Mm. actually want to make the relationship work? Which means are you willing (laughs) to do the work on yourself in order to make the relationship work, right? And not everybody is. And that's why we end up in situationships. And the problem is we often take our partner's behavior personally, which is why at the beginning of our conversation, I said, don't, it is not personal, right? Some people are just not ready to confront themselves, right? They're not ready to confront their blueprint, their the reason behind their relationship patterns, right? It takes courage to sort of look back on, on your life. Uh, in order to identify why you are the way you are, right? People are scared of vulnerability. They're scared of getting hurt because of what's taken place in their past, right? And so if you are in a situationship where somebody is not meeting you halfway, right, that they're not fully committed, then all that means is that they're not ready to be in a relationship, right? So you can't force somebody, (laughs) yeah, you can't force them to be ready, right? So then you have to say, are my needs getting met? If they're not, then you have to walk away. It's as simple as that. Yes. That willingness is such a key. And do you know how many relationships I have just been in where I refuse to accept that like all signs were pointing to this person not being willing to Mm -hmm. do the work in that relationship and like, you know, figure stuff out. Because at the end of the day, like no matter who you are, like you're two random people coming together with all Mm -hmm. of the stuff that you're bringing into that from attachment styles and beyond. So it's like you can't just naturally fit. Like there has to be work that gets done, right? Mm -hmm. But then the question becomes, why were you attracted to them in the first place? I always Mm. say avoidant people attract avoidant people, right? So that was me. Yeah. Like if you're not fully emotionally ready or available for a relationship, you seek out dynamics that are safe by pursuing avoidant people, knowing that it's going to 
not lead, you know, into a fully committed relationship, right? Whereas if you pursue somebody who's emotionally available, you expose yourself to the risk of actually really getting hurt by opening yourself up fully, right? So, you know, our relationships and, and the people that we, we seek out in our relationships are only ever just mirrors, you know, to, wow. you know, basically reflecting what's going on for us. That's so interesting. But then what what happens, okay, because like like I said, I'm with a guy now who I would say is a secure attachment style, very emotionally available. I still definitely struggled with the vulnerability stuff. Honestly, for probably like we've been together now two and a half years, I reckon at least a year of like totally being in love and stuff, but really struggling with how that felt, you know, and like the vulnerability of it and like the the openness of it. Um, but what would you say then, because I did, I was attracted to him. It was attractive to me that he was emotionally available. I would honestly say that I just got really tired of getting my heart broken over and over again. <laughs> but do you think yeah. there's other reasons why people start to be drawn to the right kind of pit person for them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I always say, you know, people think that once you uh, get into a relationship that your work is done, right? Like you've attracted mm -hmm. your person, your work therefore is done. And I always say, no, no, <laughs> that's when your work <laughs> begins, right? It's like that Stephen Bartlett quote, the most difficult relationship you will ever have is the healthy one after the toxic ones, right? So wow. you obviously reach the point where you were like, I'm ready, right? Like I want that healthy, long lasting love, but then you got it and you're like, oh wow, but this is also highlighting all the parts of myself that require work or healing, right? It's like the, the shadow mm. work, you know, where your partner holds up uh, a mirror to the parts of yourself that requires that work and that healing, right? And so, you know, it's one thing to be in the relationship, but then also it takes time, right, to, to become the person who can maintain that relationship, yeah. right? Because really at the end of the day, the relationship you have with yourself sets the tone for all the other relationships in your life, right? So you obviously needed that year to work on, you know, uh, you know, feeling comfortable with being vulnerable, right? And maybe that's because in the past you had previously been hurt or whatever the case, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You are speaking to the choir here because this is my favorite topic is that the fairy tale concept that we have about love and relationships that like, you're meant to find this person and then everything will just click into place. And like, obviously I think at least in my experience, like certain things click into place because I did find when I met my partner, I was like, oh, wow. Like we actually genuinely get along so well. And we genuinely just like love spending all this time together and stuff. But then that has not meant that it's been an easy road. And I do wonder if, and I, don't, I would love to know what you think here, if we currently have a bit of a, I guess, kind of like black and white thinking around it of like the right relationship should just be easy. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> um, a couple of things come to mind with that. Uh -huh. Life is hard, right? Yeah. But the relationship should be easy in the sense that you are both 110% committed to making it work, 
right? Right. So it shouldn't be this constant struggle of having to convince your partner to make the relationship work. It should just be a, mm. a, a, a knowing that you're both in it, no matter what, no matter how difficult life gets, right? No matter how ugly <laughs> you behave one day, right? Like you are both 110% committed to making the relationship work. But no, there is no such thing as the perfect relationship. You know, Hollywood <laughs> has brainwashed us. Uh, you create the perfect relationship, right? And, and, yeah. and that's where we can get creative. You know, we literally get to build our dream life with our our, our dream partner, right? But it does not just fall on our lap, right? There is no such thing as the perfect person. Therefore, there is no such thing as the perfect relationship. We have to create it. And that is through trial and error and often blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> yes, exactly. And this has like been my experience. And and I think something that was actually quite surprising for me, and I think for a lot of people, and I guess it, I suppose it depends on like when you have your first real intense long-term relationship that's really deep and, and involves like, you know, quite a bit of time that you spend working on stuff and get going through experiences. Um, but yeah, it was definitely surprising for me. Um, something I was going to ask you was about secure attachment, because I suppose in a dream life, everyone would have <laughs> secure attachment styles, mm-hmm. right? Because that means that you're pretty balanced and you're not like, I guess I would look at it like unruffled. Is that how you would describe it? being secure as unruffled. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that you're just more trusting, right? And confident Mm. and balanced when it comes to your romantic relationships. It all comes down to your expectations, right? And and your, your life experiences shape your expectations later in life, right? So somebody who is securely attached has different expectations to somebody who is anxious or has an avoidant attachment style, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of, I suppose, then how do we get to that point? Because I I almost feel like I have become a bit more securely attached in a way, Mm -hmm. but I actually don't know how I did that. (laughs) And so I'd love you to tell me how people can do that. Right. Well, I think that it's you know, like we've been discussing, sort of identifying uh, why we are the way we are to begin with, Mm. right? So if you have an avoidant attachment style or you have an anxious attachment style, ask yourself, where does that come from, right? And then ask yourself, who do you actually want to be in your romantic relationships, right? And then that will sort of guide you towards where your work is, right? Uh, and, and so then you you got to do the work. It's as simple as that. You've got to do the work on yourself. And, and that involves maybe reading books, uh, reading articles, listening to podcasts like this, seeking out professional support, like with a therapist or, or with a coach, right? Communicating about your fears, your concerns, the things that hold you back, right? Your fears around intimacy, whatever it is. And, and then, you know, finding someone who you can really be yourself with and really create that dream relationship that we were just talking about before, right? You know, uh, I think that when it comes to healthy and long-lasting relationships, uh, it's really about finding someone who just 
wants you to be the best version of yourself. It's not about fixing them. It's not about changing them. It's not about projecting your expectations onto them. It's saying, I want to do life with you, right? It's like that Mm. Esther Perel quote. There, There's so many people in life that we can love, but few people that we can do life with, right? It's all about finding the person. Yeah, it really is. Uh, It's just about finding the person that you can do life with, right? So if you want to become a secure person in your relationships, identify what was holding you back to begin with, do the work on yourself, whatever that looks like, and then find somebody you can do life with. And I suppose that's actually really interesting now that you say it that way, because maybe for me, I haven't even realized that I've moved slowly away from an avoidant attachment towards secure because I have been doing, and honestly, I probably wasn't even doing the work necessarily on that. I guess I have always been a big advocate of therapy. I talk, I I swear every episode on this podcast, I have mentioned my therapist and here it comes again. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out. Um, Shout out. She's just getting repeated (laughs) shout outs without her name being mentioned. Um, But yeah, I, you know, my therapist has worked with me for years on, I guess, yeah, like a bit of commitment phobia, a bit of um, self-esteem building. But within all of that, we've never really touched necessarily on attachment theory and on my attachment. And yet I have noticed myself becoming more comfortable with the vulnerable. Um, Something that for me really helped was, and which she always tells me to do, is to sit with the discomfort. What do you think about that? Absolutely. 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 You have to. Well, that's the difference between somebody who is ready to do the work on themselves uh, and somebody who's not, right? It takes courage <laughs> mm. to look at the 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 choices, uh, the, the behaviors, the dynamics that might be holding you back in your romantic life. You've got to sit with the discomfort in order to move past it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And that was like so, I mean, obviously so hard, but I would have to sit, for example, like a practical example from my life would be that I've had to sit with just these feelings of uncertainty or um, feelings of, yeah, just just wanting to run away, for example. And I should actually flag here that like what I am talking about was all happening within a healthy and stable relationship. And obviously, and I'm sure you would say this as well, you know, this none of this applies to an abusive relationship. And I think I've seen online people really having to make that definitive divide because, you know, you could feel uncomfortable in something that was deeply unhealthy, but this is all, we're talking about healthy relationships here, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and they're sometimes the most confronting, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because why? The stakes are higher, right? You want to make it work. You know, you don't want to lose this person. So it forces you to, like we're saying, sit with the discomfort, right? When you don't care about what the outcome is, you're not going to feel compelled to do the work on yourself. But when you really, really see a future with this person, then you have to figure out how to make it work. And that means looking back and identifying uh, the things that are holding you back in your relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like that discomfort, I guess for me was from extremely healthy scenarios. So like I would feel uncomfortable because this person was 
secure and stable and loved me and supported me. And then I'd be like, this is making me uncomfortable. I want to run away. And so I guess that's the distinction for me where you go, okay, you have to sit with that versus if you feel uncomfortable because you don't feel safe. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes being in a relationship with somebody who is secure can make you feel uncomfortable because then you wonder why you're not as secure, Mm. (laughs) right? You know, right? It's like, so, oh, wow. Okay. You are so trusting. You're so confident. You're so independent. Uh, How do I uh, become more like that, right? What about me is different or or is uh, holding me back? you know, from, from being that version of myself, right. Versus being in a toxic, uh, an unhealthy relationship with somebody who mistreats you or cheats on you or puts you down. It doesn't make you question, uh, the work you have to do in yourself so as much, right. It, mm. Maybe it makes you question your self-worth or what you're even doing in the relationship, but usually you, uh, your attention is focused more on them and less on you. Yeah. Yes. I, I definitely feel like that's a massive distinction. So I suppose it's when you're reacting in a way that is coming from, um, safe behaviors and and secure behaviors, and and when that's making you kind of feel really like itchy feet and and uncomfortable. Um, so, is there anything practical? I mean, I suppose we've talked about doing the work, and and I guess what you're kind of saying is that that's going to look different for everybody. Is there anything practical that everybody can do? I mean, my first thought is go see a therapist, <laughs> which is my favorite thing to say on here. Yeah, I think. Get to know yourself, right? Mm. Like figure out who you are. What are your wants and needs? What are your expectations in a relationship? What are the boundaries surrounding those expectations? Who do you want to be in uh, your relationship? What does your dream relationship look like? What does your dream partner look like? And then ask yourself, what do you need to do to work towards those things, right? And maybe mm. it means, you know, addressing things from your past, right? Maybe it's an abandonment wound, you know, a mother or a father wound, right? Uh, whatever it is, get to the root cause, right? And then work towards where you want to be in your relationship, right? And maybe that involves, you know, um, positive affirmations, mantras, uh, future Mm. journaling, meditation, mindfulness. Maybe it involves, you know, seeking out professional support, which isn't always accessible to everyone. But, you know, you can buy a book you know, on attachment, (laughs) you can listen to a podcast, whatever it is, you know, there are so many tools, uh, you know, and so much um, research available to us these days to help us do the work on ourselves, right? Uh, Mm. And so it, like we've been discussing, it just goes back to that willingness. How willing are you to sort of, you know, create the relationship that you want? Uh, And how willing are you to do that work on yourself? Yeah. And I suppose how, yeah, like how willing are you to understand yourself so that then when you enter those relationships, Mm -hmm. you also are coming from a place where you already know kind of what, you know, might 
come up for you and, and then how to handle it in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I would just say like lean in, like just I know it's scary to be vulnerable, but it's so necessary, right? It's like I love all these memes that like dating in your 20s is like, oh, yeah, do you drive a car? <laughs> and then you get to your 30s and it's like, what, what is your trauma? <laughs> What's your wounding? You know, like the, the conversation yeah. becomes so different. Like, you know, obviously that's not great first date chat, but once you've identified that you like this person, right, that you you potentially have shared values or, or a shared vision for the future, get real with them. Talk about your past traumas. Talk about your fears. Talk about, you know, uh, you, you know, whatever ideas you have uh, around intimacy, around love, or, or what your dream relationship looks like. Lean in, you know, uh, because then that also sort of gives them the confidence to do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this episode has been so helpful, probably especially for anyone who has really struggled with um, you know, understanding attachment theory or just had like the top line of it and is, we've now gone a bit deeper and it can be so helpful to know what your attachment is in a relationship and also to understand why someone else might be behaving the way that they are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just more importantly, it's really important to remember that our attachment styles aren't fixed labels, right? They're just guides to help us understand our emotions and reactions in our relationships. So, you know, uh, with conscious effort and emotional work, like we've been discussing, we can work towards a more secure attachment. So I hope that that gives hope to uh, anyone who is listening to this episode today. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on and talking us through attachment theory. I hope everyone got something great out of this. And as always, next week, back here again for another episode of Love Rants. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning into Pop Sugar's Love Rants. Join us again next week as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment and preciousness of love and self-love. Follow yuli.com.au on Instagram and TikTok to stay up to date on all things women's health.